Hello, welcome to the Find Your Calm podcast. I'm Noelle C. Guevara, and as of this recording, I'm a pastor, an educator, and a writer learning to navigate faith and family and being a person in this chaotic life. But things change, whether we want them to or not. So stay tuned. We've covered a lot of ground in the first two seasons of this podcast, but it turns out that life keeps throwing me into chaos and I keep practicing new ways of finding my calm in the midst of it all. So here in season three, we'll continue on finding our bearings as we navigate life together. Here is my constant confession. I don't know how to avoid chaos or how to prevent the anxiety that chaos inevitably causes, but I have had more than a little practice in finding my calm when life beckons anxiety instead. If you're looking for a space to take a deep breath, steady yourself, and discern what you need to move forward, you're right where you belong. Listen in for a few simple tips to find your calm and take your next faithful steps forward. This past summer, our family traveled to Puerto Rico for 10 days where we explored forts and took our best Instagram photos. We hiked through a rainforest and swam in pools and river and ocean waves. It was chaotic in all the best ways. There was a day we spent at a beach untouched by tourism, not a hotel or a manicured green space in sight, just clusters of palm trees and white sand curved around the crashing waves. My kids and I were out jumping waves, which ebbed and flowed, So one minute we're waist deep and the next we're jumping to ride the crest of a wave towards shore. I was watching the waves, judging their height to make sure we didn't end up in over our heads, but I was a little slow on one of them and realized too late that the wave rising towards me was too high to ride. And suddenly someone yelled out, brace yourself as it crashed over us. I put my back towards that wave and planted my feet firmly, but it was just too strong. And in a moment, I went from standing firm in the sand to feeling my feet being swept up and over my head. Salt water rushed in my nose, and I felt the voice in my head telling me to swim up for air. And then a moment of panic, as I realized I didn't know which way was up. It was just a moment, but I felt like I was drowning until that voice in my head spoke louder, reminding me that the water wasn't deep, that the wave would subside and I'd find my footing again. And of course, I did. The wave rolled back. I floated to the surface, and while my nose burned from the salt water, I did, in fact, breathe again. Off to my left, my oldest daughter was also surfacing and grabbing for her little sister, and my kids were coughing and laughing. They headed right back into the waves together, of course, with some instructions to keep the little ones back towards shallow waters, and I hauled my waterlogged self back to shore to recover. Also, I lost a claw clip in that wave. It was actually Sophie's, the collateral damage to the rogue wave that for a moment I thought might drown me. Before that voice in my head spoke calm and rational thoughts and beckoned me back to the surface. Sometimes our inner voice is the calm in our chaos. And sometimes it's the critic that causes the most chaos. Whether that voice speaks truth or lies, beckons deep breath or deep shame, My inner voice is always there and always part of me. And how I respond to that voice matters. But how should I respond? When does that voice deserve my full attention? And when that voice speaks out as my inner critic, should I silence it? Befriend it? 
my inner critic and I have had more conversations than I would care to admit. And the truth is that we've had to learn to coexist in some form of harmony. She isn't as loud as she used to be, and I've learned to respond with calm. So she's become a calmer voice in my head. So today I'm sharing a few faithful steps forward towards calming your inner critic, just in case yours is here to stay as well. Step one, learn to listen. Okay, hear me out. Have you ever tried to ignore a child who's being demanding? They want the snack now, or they need to go to the bathroom right this minute, or they expect you to pick up your phone urgently because it is super important. When you ignore a child who needs something, whether that's a literal need or simply a felt need, they get louder and more demanding. And sometimes that's really valid, like if you don't want them to have an accident in line at the grocery store. Other time it feels really valid to them, but you have a broader view and you recognize they can find their own shoes they probably left in the pile by the front door. I don't have to respond in the precise way my child is demanding me to, but as a parent, I do need to respond. I might have to step out of line and attend to their physical needs, or I might need to hold the line and remind my child they have what they need to attend to themselves. Either way, my response is part of how they learn to name and meet their needs. I am not an expert in psychology or any related field, so please don't take this as professional advice, but... In my lived experience, I've learned that my inner critic is basically a demanding child. When she gets loud, it's because she needs something. I know just enough about internal family systems theory to be dangerous, but basically, from what I understand, it theorizes that we are the sum of different parts. So all of us have a manager, for example, that likes to take charge and control things to keep us safe. And each of us has different parts that are birthed out of our unique experiences. My inner child grew up with a different combination of nature and nurture than yours, so mine will speak and act up differently. All of these parts of us belong at the table. They share things that are valuable. They indicate needs that are real and unmet, and they likely served us well in helping us survive at different points of our lives. Some parts survived trauma and may have developed strategies that helped us in a dangerous season, but may not serve us well in a safe season. But altogether, as integrated parts of a whole, they're neither good nor bad. They just are. The problem is when we let a part of us take over and run the show. Listen, my inner child should not run the show. Nobody liked how bossy she was circa 1989, and they aren't following her orders now either. But that doesn't mean she isn't valuable operating at her seat at the table. When she pipes up, I can hear what she's saying, thank her for her input, and let her know kindly that she doesn't have to prove herself or shout to be heard anymore. Back to my inner critic who also sits at that table. Hand raised, she wants to answer every question like she knows it all. And she sounds a lot like the voices of others who've told me I'm too much, that I'm annoying, that I should quiet down and sit down, that the people who love me most, like me best when I feel less and need nothing. People often call their inner critic a bully, but I wonder if she isn't the one trying so very hard to protect you from the bullies she took a beating from. She's speaking up because she wants me to feel safe, and that's worth listening to, but just for a moment. Have you ever heard your child out just because you know they need to word vomit before they can move forward? I think it's sort of like that. I listened to my inner critic for just a moment before we can move forward to the next step, which is this, practice self-compassion. 
My inner critic is part of me. She's the voice in my head after all, and as such, she's not going away. Trying to shame her into silence or banish her into exile won't work, not in the long run. There are some words about this in family systems theory, and I don't remember them all, but basically, exiling a part of yourself is a bad move. Those parts just run you from the background. So I practice self-compassion when my inner critic gets loud. I can speak back with words like, I understand you're trying to keep me safe, but I don't have to work so hard to be perfect anymore. There might be some truth to thrift out of the pile of old clothes that would be so easy to put back on. I don't need to buy the lie that I'm annoying, but some self-reflection might reveal that I'm reacting instead of responding and help me recalibrate a little. If I can extend some self-compassion to my inner critic on the front end, she can offer a kinder truth in return. But then there's times that my inner critic has a whole speech prepared when it's too little too late. It is the post-game breakdown, and she's got some harsh words queued up and ready to go. In these moments, I practice self-compassion by reminding myself that I did my best and joining that post-game breakdown with some more generous reflections. My husband, Matt, got me a keychain a few years ago with the words, notice the good inscribed on them. It's a reminder to me that it isn't more noble to notice the negative, and a practice of noticing the good gives me more well-rounded hindsight. My inner critic will always pave a pathway towards improvement, but meeting her with self-compassion that notices the good makes that pathway more life-giving. Okay, my inner critic has been heard. She's received some self-compassion. I've come to accept she isn't going away, but she doesn't have to run the show either. Now I can turn towards that voice with a tool I'm still learning to master, curiosity. The last step in calming your inner critic is to remain curious. Going back to the demanding child analogy, I can wonder things to myself like, what need are you trying to meet? What voice do you sound like? Where did I first hear these words? Or where do I hear them still? I think my inner critic at its core has been a pupil in a handful of classrooms, some taught by individuals, others by a stream of culture. And ultimately, it is fed by the first lie sowed in a garden. Does God really want what's best for you? Or do you need to reach out and take it for yourself before it's too late? I loved a scene in the Barbie movie where the mom unpacked the expectations that we try to manage as women to the point where we don't even know what it means or feels like to just be ourselves. By naming the truth, it broke a spell of sorts. And I think that's true for all of us. If we can be curious enough to discover and name the truth behind the impossible demands our inner critics make of us, we dismantle the power it was never meant to hold over us. Perhaps it will stop being our inner critic and just become an inner voice. The internal chaos can recede and we can catch our breath in the calm. I don't know for sure, but it feels like it's worth a try. So let's try together. Can we do that? I close every episode with a practice and today we'll invite that inner critic to practice right alongside of us. Let's take a next faithful step towards finding your calm when that inner critic beckons anxiety instead. Pause for a moment and focus on that voice. Maybe it's a feeling you get when you make a mistake, or maybe it's a phrase you return to when you're feeling insecure. 
If it helps, you can remember a recent situation where you felt like you messed up or think about a current situation that you're anxious and insecure about. We're going to give that voice 20 seconds to express themselves. Don't argue, but also don't agree. Just take a neutral posture as your inner critic rants a little. Regardless of how that 20 seconds felt, put your hand over your heart and say to yourself something like, I am safe and I am loved. Thank you for sharing, but those words are not needed or true about me. Now, take 20 seconds to practice self-compassion. Is there a truth you can speak back to your inner critic, a forgiveness to offer, a kinder truth to tell? What is the good that went unnoticed amongst the criticism? Even if your inner critic spoke some truth, can you respond to yourself with kindness, knowing that no one is perfect? Finally, I would encourage you when you have more time or perhaps even throughout the day to practice curiosity. What about the words that were conjured up or the feelings they stirred felt familiar to you? What need might remain unmet? Who or what does the message connect to? As your curiosity forms connections, return to the earlier steps of listening and responding with self-compassion. As needed, return to a simple phrase like, I am safe and I am loved. Thank you for joining me today for the first episode in season three of the Find Your Calm podcast. I hope you were able to connect with yourself to get your bearings, find your focus, and begin to enjoy or at least be more present to the life that's within and around you. Life is chaotic. We know this to be true. But even in the midst of chaos, you can find your calm and take your next faithful step forward. As always, you can connect with me on Instagram as Noel C. Guevara. You can also find me at noelcguevara.com. If you found today's tips to be useful and you want more, head to my website and sign up for my newsletter. It is a fun way for me to share some practical things that are helping me find my calm right now. It could be fashion. It could be a spiritual discipline. It could be a funny story for my kids. They give me so much content. This is also where you'll get the latest news on the podcast or some upcoming freebies I'm working on. Head to my website and sign up to receive the newsletter. Until next time, I'm Noelle C. Guevara, and I'm so grateful to be your host and guide as we navigate the chaos of life together.